utilization of low tidal volume ventilation still is not 100%. This is about as close to an automatic as I would say. These settings do make a difference. Our change in usual care has already happened. Does it matter? Does it impact patient outcomes? The choices that we make are significant. What we do matters. Welcome everyone to Critical Care Perspectives in Emergency Medicine. So happy you're joining us for this podcast. I'm Mike Winters from the University of Maryland School of Medicine in Baltimore, Maryland. And we have another exciting podcast for you, another great educational piece based upon an article that was just published online ahead of print in Critical Care Medicine. But before we get to our topic, I need to, as always, introduce the brains behind CCPEM, Dr. Peter W., Dr. Rob Rodriguez, and Dr. John Greenwood. Gentlemen, we are here at another podcast. How are you doing this week? Doing great, Mike. Thanks. Happy to have COVID in the rearview mirror for the time and getting back to business as usual. More of the same here on the West Coast, although we are getting a few more cases but nothing like we've experienced with the Omicron surge or the Delta surge. So overall doing well. Yeah, doing great. Just got back from a really cool conference. Mike, you and I were out in Las Vegas for SEMPA, so the National PA Conference, and had a really awesome group that came to our pre-conference on critical care, mechanical ventilation management, great questions, really engaged group, highly recommended for anyone who has PAs in their practice. I think it gives everyone a time to recharge, to scratch some curiosities, and expand your skill set. So I had a great time out there with you. Agreed, John. Thanks for mentioning that. And thanks to all of those at SEMPA that gave us this opportunity to hold the workshop and symposium. And Dr. W actually is recording from that SEMPA conference out in Las Vegas. He's wrapping up, bringing home the conference very strong. Peter, was it vasopressors you were talking about this morning? Vasopressors this morning and finish up with mechanical ventilation. So this is timely article today. And thanks to you guys for laying the groundwork with the workshop. Well, that is an outstanding lead into what we are going to talk about during this podcast. And it is based, as I mentioned, on a recent systematic review and meta-analysis published in Critical Care Medicine Online. The lead author was Dr. Monin. Senior author was Brian Fuller. And it really deals with low tidal volume ventilation in the ED. Specifically, the title is Low Tidal Volume Ventilation for Emergency Department Patients, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis on Practice Patterns, and clinical impact. And in essence, what do Drs. Monin along with Fuller and their colleagues say as the background? Well, it is something we have chatted about for a while here on CCPEM. And you've heard in other conferences and other podcasts about the importance of low tidal volume ventilation in the emergency department. We know that when patients are receiving mechanical ventilation in the ED, that's a higher risk patient. They have higher morbidity, they have higher mortality. And we've known, well, I think probably for two decades that in patients who have ARDS, the use of lung protective ventilatory strategy mainly low tidal volume ventilation actually decreases mortality. And over the years, we've cited a few articles that have looked at low tidal volume ventilation and its benefit in even those that don't have ARDS, but it's even now more pertinent as many of our vented patients stay in the ED for longer periods of time. That's during that time, 
when early and initial ventilatory settings actually make a difference with respect to predisposing patients to ventilator-associated lung injury. And furthermore, in terms of ventilatory strategies, we've known also over the years that even in academic centers, the utilization of low tidal volume ventilation still is not 100%. In addition, things we do in the ED are carried through definitely during the early course of someone's ICU time. In fact, the authors cite that those initial ventilator settings often, when they get to the ICU, persist over days, sometimes over hours, but can be over days. And actually, very little is done to change those initial ventilatory settings in the first few hours of these patients with acute respiratory failure. And finally, we know that these settings do make a difference. They do impact the overall degree to which ICU ventilatory settings or changes are made. So in essence, what is this meta-analysis? It's looking back over the preceding decade to say, well, have we gotten better in the ED at using low tidal volume ventilation? And actually, does it matter? Does it impact patient outcomes? So their objective, simply to perform a comprehensive systematic review to evaluate low tidal volume ventilation use in our ED vented patients. With that, John, can you take us through exactly the methods? What did they do? What did they look at? What studies did they include? And what were the outcomes here? Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, this was a systematic review meta-analysis. And so they had a really expansive search on potential articles to be included. And they listed Medline, EMBase, Scopus, Cochrane, both Cochrane databases, and also searched for reference lists in publications along with abstracts from major scientific meetings. So including ASEP, SAEM, SCCM, the European Society of Intensive Care Medicine, CHEST, and ATS. And once they did the search, they included studies that met the following criteria. So adults receiving invasive mechanical ventilation, randomized control trials, non-randomized studies, cohort studies, and studies that compared outcomes between patients receiving emergency department low tidal volume ventilation and non-low tidal volume ventilation. They did exclude a few important topics, so pediatric studies were not included, and lower level of evidence studies including case studies, correspondence, review articles, and editorials. Now, they defined low tidal volume ventilation as a tidal volume less than or equal to 8 mLs per kilo of predicted body weight. After this, they define their primary outcome as basically in-hospital mortality, and then secondary outcomes they were interested in, including the duration of mechanical ventilation, ICU length of stay, hospital length of stay, and occurrence of ARDS after admission. Outstanding. So now we know what this study took a look at, the studies that they included, how they define low tidal volume ventilation. Rob, bring us home. What did this meta-analysis and systematic review find? Yeah. So in their final analysis, they included 21 studies with a broad mix of study designs. 11 of these studies provided outcome data, and these 11 studies were published between 2016 and 2021. Three of these were quasi-experimental type before and after type design studies. Two of these were retrospective before and after type studies. Six were cohort studies. And of these 11 studies that provided outcome data, eight were rated as having good quality methods. 
and three were rated as having poor quality methods. Then the other 10 studies of the 21, original 21 studies included in the overall meta-systematic review, the other 10 studies provided descriptive tidal volume data. And these were cohort studies conducted between 2009 and 2020. And of these 10, three were rated as good quality and seven were rated as poor quality. So as you can see, there was an overall broad range of quality in these studies. About half were rated as poor and half were rated as good quality. In terms of the outcomes or the primary measures that they were looking at, they looked at the impact of ED low tidal volume ventilation on ventilator settings. And they found the protocols on ventilator settings. And they found that the implementation of ED-based ventilator protocols led to an increase in ED low tidal volume settings. There was a significant reduction in ED tidal volume over a 10-year period, a decrease of about 1.5 mLs per kilo per body weight in those patients. And the use of ED low tidal volume was associated with an increase in ICU use of low tidal volume settings. And that odds ratio was quite significant. It was an odds ratio of 4.4, resulting in a significant reduction in ICU tidal volume after the ED. So from that, there were impacts of ED protocols on use of low tidal volume, both in the ED that carried through to the ICU. Then in terms of the impact of low tidal volume on clinical outcomes, it was a little bit more muddy, but they looked at mortality and they had 10 studies that included 11,086 patients. And the pooled mortality for low tidal volume ventilation was in those 10 studies was 24.5% as compared to 23.1% for the non-low tidal volume group. And that basically was a not significant difference. But if you remove one significant outlier in those studies, the pool mortality for the low tidal volume group was significantly lower at 26.5% as compared to 31.1% for the non-low tidal volume group. In terms of ARDS after admission, it was 4.5% for the low tidal volume group versus 8.3% for the non-low tidal volume group. Then finally, looking at impact on lengths of stay, there were seven studies and ED low tidal volume was associated with a shorter hospital length of stay of about 1.2 days. In terms of ICU length of stay, there were seven studies and low tidal volume in the ED was associated with Again, a shorter ICU length of stay by about one day. In terms of the duration of mechanical ventilation as an outcome, there were six studies, a little over 7,000 patients, and low tidal volume in the ED was associated with increased ventilator-free days of about 1.4 days, which again, sort of corresponds with the other measures in terms of decreased hospital length of stay and ICU length of stay. Then finally, in terms of patients with ARDS, there were two studies that have evaluated the impact of ED low tidal volume on patients with ARDS while in the ED. And the mortality was 33.6% in the low tidal volume group 
as compared to 47.9% in the non-load tidal volume group. And this subgroup analysis showed shorter ICU length of stay, a lower mortality, and then shorter ICU length of stay and increase in ventilator-free days. Great job, Rob. So this really has looked at a lot of studies, lots of patients, and the findings of this systematic review and meta-analysis are very favorable on the utilization of low tidal volume ventilation in the ED with effects on mortality, ARDS development, length of stay, along with duration and mechanical ventilation. Peter, we haven't heard from you yet this podcast. Let me turn to you in terms of limitations. What do we need to be aware of with respect to the study? And then following that, really bring us home. What are the key takeaway messages from this article? Sure, Mike. So great job by you guys so far setting this up. Just a few of the limitations, though, I think it's pretty important. First off, there's no current randomized clinical trials that compared ED-instituted low tidal volume ventilation with non-low tidal volume ventilation or typical usual care. There's no real randomized controlled trial. We're just pulling these different studies. Also, this review focused only on tidal volume. It didn't take into account the other components that people are using now for lung protective strategies, things like limiting plateau pressures, using driving pressures, PEEP, and how that's been limited. Also limiting hyperoxia using the ideal oxygenation or the search for that, and among others. Statistically, as mentioned, the heterogeneity of these studies is pretty wild. They're pretty high and moderate to high in nature, so they all didn't look the same. So again, that's a limitation. And then the majority of the studies conducted were in the U.S. and Canada. And of those that were done in U.S. and Canada, the majority of those were in academic medical centers. So there's a bias there as well. And then lastly, they really didn't investigate long-term outcomes. So they looked at short-term mortality, but long-term mortality, long-term lung injury or limitations. So those are the overall limitations. When we look at the take-home points, though, they're pretty powerful. We know that ED tidal volumes have decreased over the past decade. And we're not surprised because they've done so in the ICU as well. So ED, low tidal volume ventilation, was associated with a decreased mortality, right? Fewer people die. Decreased frequency of ARDS development after ICU admission, showing that what we choose to do in the emergency department makes an enormous difference. Decreased ICU and hospital length of stay and decreased duration of mechanical ventilation. Those are powerful measures, and they directly link to the outcomes. We talked about the mortality. We're going to consider low tidal volume ventilation as the initial ventilator setting for the majority of ventilated ED patients. I can't think of a patient that shouldn't be getting this. I'm sure one exists. I'm just not being broad enough in my perspective, but my instruction is to apply this broadly in hopes of limiting harm to patients. A protocolized approach to emergency department ventilator settings improves compliance with ED low tidal volume ventilation. And we know this from the Love ED study and decreases tidal volumes by about nearly two cc's per kilogram predicted body weight. So it's 1.5. So it makes a big difference. But I think with the Love ED trial, we see that the choices that we make in the emergency department are significant, whether it's about tidal volume, whether it's about PEEP, whether it's about 
FiO2, all of those things make a difference in our patients. And this is strong evidence to prove it. Really well said there, Peter. Thanks. John, let me turn to you and then we'll go to Rob for your final thoughts, take home points regarding the impact of this systematic review and meta-analysis and what it reinforces. Yeah. I mean, I think Peter said it all. Obviously, I think this is just a great example of what we do matters. I don't think we're ever going to get to a point where there's a randomized clinical trial of low tidal volume ventilation. It reminds me a little bit of what happened with sepsis and how we moved from standard of care changed over the course of time from Manny Rivers trial to promise, arise, and process. I think the general trend is that we've all moved to six to eight cc's per kilo for most patients. And it's not only just a mantra, but it's been implemented into hospital systems and practices across the country. So I can't imagine that we're ever going to get there to actually try that trial. I think it's just our change in usual care has already happened. So it's great to see that in summarizing all of these studies, that it appears to bear fruit and that we're making progress. Thanks, John. Rob? Yeah, I completely agree with John and Peter. Those are excellent points. I think, number one, it's basically a no-brainer in terms of just doing this with everybody. It should just be, I hate to say that things should always be done one way, but this is about as close to as an automatic as I would say. As Peter mentioned, I'd have to think about a particular case in which I'd want to go higher than eight cc's per kilo. And I really can't come up with one. The second point is that I really like the follow-up of low tidal volume into the ICU, that what we start in the ED gets continued into the ICU. And there was that really great outcome that they looked at in which the odds ratio was 4.4 in terms of if you started low tidal volume in the ED, that continued in the ICU. So I really like that point that they made with this paper. Again, we should view our care in the ED as a continuum, a continuum of care from EMS through the ED and into the ICU. And so we can be leaders in establishing low tidal volume ventilation for patients from the ED into the ICU. So what we start in the ED continues into the unit. Thanks, Rob. And one other point that I'll make, I mean, we've talked about the benefits, but just remember that looking at predicted body weight is based upon height, recall that, and not total body weight. And we've had folks that have been placed on or their tidal volume selected based on the total body weight every now and then. So just remember to measure your patient. I do know and can acknowledge that there's been a few studies out there that have looked at actually putting a tape measure in the ED resuscitation bay, and it's mixed results as to whether it truly gets to the right low tidal volume ventilation. But honestly, we've got tape measures in our resuscitation boxes when we're doing airway and setting the ventilator. And I do think that's a no-cost intervention to really get the right tidal volume for that patient with respect to their predicted body weight. So just recall that. And any final points? Yeah, actually, it's funny. We're having a little chat in the sidebar because we can do that in Zoom. I think maybe one of the limitations here of the studies might've been that they didn't select out that one patient population that I think we commonly see that obstructive lung disease with pure asthma, COPD, when sometimes 
you do have to prescribe a slightly higher tidal volume in exchange for respiratory rate. That might be the one case where I definitely consider a little bit of different strategy that wasn't teased out and probably difficult to tease out in these systematic analyses and some selected tox cases, right? Your aspirin overdose who has a severe metabolic respiratory kind of component to it. But yeah, no, this was a lot of fun, guys. Thanks for putting this agenda together. It was a wonderful discussion. Absolutely. And if any of you have any questions on this article or just low tidal volume or lung protective ventilatory strategies in general, please correspond with us. We love interacting with all of you asynchronously offline with respect to the podcast, but through emails. So happy to continue that conversation. And gentlemen, I think with that, we'll bring this podcast to a close. My thanks to the three of you and my thanks to all of you for continuing to listen to us here on CCPEM. It is greatly appreciated. And until our next podcast, we will talk to you later. Bye for now.